0: Rob Doster here, I got Jeff Goodman with me Hell no John Fink
1: Are we still live? Still 68 till I die I'm sorry, not for out. Randolph children DJ Khaled, you know the big DJ Khaled guy?
0: Hands grow
2: up and in Goodman needs to be fired all the time Josh Tavka You're gonna beat
0: people, straight up You know the deal Drink responsibly tonight. I'll be drinking with you.
3: Darrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors,
0: this is Field of 68 After Dark.
3: Welcome to the Friday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. We have a special show tonight. We are going to be breaking down this UConn-Gonzaga game, one of the three top ten matchups that we are going to get this weekend. Um... Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. We're presented by our partners over at BetMGM. Uh, we are, UConn currently is up 76 to 63. There's about 30 seconds left in this game. I'll update the score as soon as it goes final. Uh, but it has been a fairly, uh, it it's been, all right, perfect. 76-63, UConn uh, picks off Gonzaga in the Climate Pledge uh, Arena. In Seattle, which is effectively a road game for UConn, although the uh, the crowd did not show out the way that I expected it to show on a Friday night for Gonzaga in the state of Washington, um, it was a straightforward performance, I think. Goodman for UConn here, um, and uh, I mean, look, we talked about it before we uh, press record on this. It felt like UConn did not get out of third year throughout this entire game, and they still found a way to win by 13 points uh, on the other side of the country against a team that is currently sitting in the top 10.
1: Scary. Uh, Terrifying if if you're watching UConn because, uh, as you said, like they went to Donovan Klingon early, and I was like, man, he he might get 40 tonight because he was getting deep post position. They were feeding him the ball. It almost looked like a concerted effort tonight to finally get the big guy the ball because he was healthy and or healthier. And, and then they kind of took control and then it was camp Spencer who made some big threes. They went into halftime with a, you know, a pretty generous lead and there was never really any game pressure on them the, the, the whole game. So they didn't need Tristan Newton to have to do much. They didn't need Stefan Castle to have to do too much. Like, honestly, I, I think, Rob, this game said way more about Gonzaga than it did about UConn, to be honest. I mean, it says a lot about UConn that they played their C game and they're able to win on the road like they did against a top-20 team because I think that's what Gonzaga is at the end of the day, a top-20-ish team. They're not deep. They don't have a star. Their backcourt's okay. Nemhart's good, but Hickman's just okay. gray couldn't do anything tonight. They're just, this is the most underwhelming Gonzaga team we've seen in a long time. And I think finally the loss of Tommy Lloyd has caught up with Gonzaga a little bit, recruiting wise, because I don't think they have the talent that they had year after year.
3: Yeah, and I do think it's fair to mention that they don't have steel venters, which more or less takes away any kind of depth that they have on the perimeter. Like the way that it works right now. Is you have Ryan Nemhart and you have Nolan Hickman, and those two dudes got to play 40 minutes because everybody else on this roster is a front court player. And as soon as uh, somebody
1: on the played 40 and 39, by the way, just so you know, 40 and 39 minutes, those yeah,
3: I mean, they have to play those guys all those minutes. And if you go back and look at what they've done throughout the season, they got to play them those minutes. They don't have any other backcourt players on the roster. And, um, I I mean, look, Ryan Nemhart's a good player. He's not someone that you want to necessarily rely on to have to try to get you twenty yeah. every night. Like that's not the best way to make him be effective. Graham Biek is a good player, but he he he's never going to be effective going up against the likes of a Zach Edey or uh, or a Donovan Klingon because he's six foot nine and he scores with his back to the basket. And um, to me, the biggest thing is just like th- there's no there's no lineup versatility, right? Their best lineup, the one that has Anton Watson at the four. The only way they can bring subs in, it's Braden Huff and Ben Greg off the bench, and both of those dudes are six foot eleven, right? So you're moving your best player out of his best position, Anton Watson. You move him from the four to the three. And that's that's just that's a hard way to win basketball games. So I, I feel like Gonzaga right now is a guard short of what they need to be. Like if they still had hunter salas right now and i'm not saying the hunter salas is like necessarily the best player on the planet but if they had a dude you that know. could get them 15 minutes off the bench that was capable of averaging like seven or eight points i think that changes what this team could be because normally hickman could play a little bit of point right one of the, you put those two guys together in the backcourt and you can get by with two to three minute stretches two to three times during a game so i i, you th- don't, I think they're just, you a just Don't short. have
1: a guy Rob, you just don't have a guy that anybody fears. Like, ultimately, that's what it comes down to, right? You don't have a guy on this team that you're like, holy crap, we got a game plan for him. Ryan Nemhart mm-hmm. was a great player at Creighton when he was a really he, – he had dudes around him. He had a lot around him. There, there's just not enough around him here, so he's got to do too much, as you said. Um, now, again, in the WCC this year, listen, they could run away with it. I don't think they will. I actually think – I've. I feel better about my Gales, my St. Mary's Gales now after watching Gonzaga tonight, to be honest, because I think they could still get the automatic bid and win the WCC. Uh, I, I think it's that wide open.
3: Yeah, and Josh Jefferson got it going a little bit for for Saint Mary, so I think that he'll be he'll be fine there. And you always got to keep an eye on Santa Clara because Santa Clara just you know who's going to be the, the the first round pick that they have come out of nowhere this year it was Brandon Pajinski last year. It was uh Jalen Williams a year before that. So you just there's a lottery pick somewhere in there. Goodman, we just don't know who it is yet. We're going to find someone off that Santa Clara roster that's a lottery pick. Um No, I, I mean, look, the, hey, I one hundred.
1: Do you, see, do, it, do you see this as kind of the start of the end for Gonzaga and Mark View? To where, like, this is the the end of the era of, like, Gonzaga being in the mix for a Final Four every year, for an elite team every year, and going, you know, back to, like, hey, they may be able to catch fire in a year, but they're not going to be there every year now.
3: Um, I don't... I don't know if I'm ready to say that at this point. Um, I do think that, and you made this point last year multiple times, right? You, I think you made it when we were in Las Vegas for the, the, uh, the Sweet 16 before UConn played, um, Gonzaga there in the Elite Eight, that there's just not the level of NBA talent that we've seen before. There's no Nigel Williams Goss and there's no Brandon Clark and there's no, um, You don't have that same, you don't have a Jalen Suggs, you don't have a Chet Holmgren, you don't have that same level of dude. And if you go and look at what Arizona has right now, they're getting Caleb Love out of the portal, and that's the guy that Gonzaga used to get, right? They are getting Kylan Boswell to reclassify and enroll there. That's what Gonzaga used to get. They are getting the players. I mean, Kashad Johnson is basically Brandon Clark from 2018. Right. Or 2019 what was Brandon, sure. whatever he was, whenever Brandon, you guys know who I'm talking. Whenever Brandon Clark was there, that's basically what Kashad Johnson is. So um, I, I, I'm not ready to say that yet because Mark Few at the end of the day is a hall of famer. Right. And, and he's not there yet, but he should be there. Um, So I'm not Which ready to say that, that yet. That yet but,
1: By the way, it's crazy it that he's not in the hall of fame yet. No, it is. Am I wrong?
3: I mean it, no, he's he he should be there and he's gonna get there. That that just seems like one of those ones where it's like we're just kind of waiting for the right time. They only want to add one year, whatever it is. Um, no, no, I think you're right. Can we can we flip this and, and, and pivot to Yukon here real quick? Because yeah. I do wanna just ask you, like when when they are able to get Klingon going, and and he had his best game of the year this, uh, tonight. He had 21 points, eight boards, three assists, a pair of blocks. He was 8-11 from the floor. Most importantly, he was 5-7 of from the free throw line. And he looked, Jeff, like he was finally moving well. To me, that's been what they were missing was that, was that offensive threat. Yes, getting Steph Cal- Castle healthy uh, matters because you're adding someone that can be an elite defender. You're adding someone that is your best uh, point of attack defensive weapon, and you're adding another guy that can break people down offensively and and create something out of isolation, which, I mean, Gonzaga is the third straight power conference opponent that tried to switch everything against UConn um, and take them out of what they wanted to run. Uh did not work that well because they don't have as many good defenders. But to me, it's getting Klingon to the point where he is playing like the All-American we projected him to be.
1: They just have their pieces fit together. When, when when Hurley and his staff were, were putting this team together, you can tell it's like, all right, we're not going to duplicate too much, uh, even personality-wise, a little bit, right? Like Cam Spencer is kind of that alpha dog that they needed a little bit because that's not clinging. Certainly that's not going to be Castle. Caravan's got some of that in him. But but I think, again, Cam Spencer just you know brought another shooter who can do more than just shoot. He's not one-dimensional like a lot of people thought he was um, at Rutgers and at Loyola, Maryland. Uh, but, again, they, Castle's athletic, big, strong, can guard at a high level, right, can get to the basket, can get downhill. Solo ball is kind of a, you know, more athletic, but he can really shoot the ball, uh, comes off the bench. Diara's is great because he's got a gear, right, and he guards. He gets after it and really gets up in guys. Um, I, I just, I like, again, how everybody serves a different purpose on this mm-hmm. UConn roster. Everybody. Yeah, we- I, I love that. I I hate teams where they're like duplicating pieces or, you know, like, I'm, listen, I'm going to see one tomorrow a little bit. I, Indiana. You know, they don't have enough shooting. Obviously, that's a key thing, right? UConn. Even though, they <laughs> not have if a you ask
3: Mike Woodson, don't you dare bring that up in front of Mike Woodson. If you say anything about shooting to Mike Woodson, he's going to jump you, man. You better be careful. Don't go in that well, press I conference. Be. He's going to be looking for here.
1: you. I would ask him, but I'm not going to be here for the post game press conference because I got to leave right away to get to that Purdue Arizona game in Indy because the Colts start at 4-15, too. So the traffic yeah. in Indy is going to be horrendous. Yeah.
3: The, so what I will say is this. On paper, I think that this uh, this Gonzaga team is not a great matchup for UConn. And what I mean by that is they have a guy at the four spot that can go out and make things happen against Alex Karabin. If there's a weakness with this UConn team, it's guarding fours. If, I think if you look at all the power conference teams that they've played, the four-man is the one that goes off. Um, they have a point guard that is able to get to the basket, get to the lane, and create. The other issue that this UConn team has, It is perimeter defense against teams that have guys that can beat you off the dribble, right? And Gonzaga is a top 10 team with two guys that star in the position that you can kind of take advantage of this UConn team. And UConn held them to 39% shooting from the floor. UConn forced 11 turnovers. They held them to two for 12 shooting from the three-point line. And they were up by double figures for basically the entire second half. Gonzaga scored the first bucket of the second half to cut an eleven point lead to nine. Yukon immediately answered with a with a basket of their own. Gonzaga never got single digits after that. Now some of that is they missed some open looks, but some of that was UConn hit seven threes in the first half, threw it in cruise control, and there was nothing that Gonzaga can do. You said that you said earlier that UConn played their C game. I'd push back on that a little bit because I think that they were really effective uh, defensively,
1: but... Um, All right, so B-minus game. I'll give them like a yeah. B-minus game. All I'm saying is did, it was but they not... they never
3: B- got out of third... No, but you're right that they never got out of third, like second or third gear. Like, it, it just... There was a stretch in the second half where it just felt like UConn was out there because they wanted to be out there, right? They weren't really running their offense well. I think they had like four straight turnovers on possessions. They were just kind of throwing things away, and it just... It never felt like UConn. Through like they never, they never had that finishing. Well, what was it in? Remember Mortal Kombat? You might be too old for this, coming, but in Mortal Kombat, it used to they used to have the thing that would come up that would say like finish him, and that popped up for UConn, but they were never able to like finish him. They just kind of let Gonzaga sit there, and there was nothing they could do. I made this comparison. Um, for uh, Purdue, when they were playing against Xavier, it just kind of felt like UConn was the big brother that was holding their arm out like this, trying to play football against their little brother, and just not letting him get the ball. That's kind of what it felt like throughout this game. And and Gonzaga is a team that has a good point guard, a good four man, a hall of fame head coach, and was ranked top 10 in the country playing in their state on the other side of the country from where Yukon was. Like, I, I just I, I try to. I wonder
1: if there was a surprise drop. I wonder if UConn was almost surprised how easy this one was. And, again, like, they play with ferocity. You know, again, I, I think they did the right thing, getting clinging. I would be doing that every game. If he if he can get deep post position like that, which he should be able to do most nights, go get him the ball early because, to me, that gets his confidence up. That gets him into the game offensively. And, and then – again everything else is going to come right you got to double on him good luck to you because well, the, then you're the going problem, to get a
3: three you're you're right the problem they'd had with that up to this point was simply that he just was not right he was good not score. himself yet right. and and good score. I, and i do think that over the course of like the last uh last 10 days it's been like a week and a half since jimmy v and he looked a little bit better at, at jimmy v um, I think this foot thing is is more or less in the past. I think the toe thing he's on the uh the positive side the, the right side of it, right? And I think he's starting to get into better shape. I don't know if it was a confidence thing. I don't know if it was he didn't have his legs under him. I don't know if he he didn't quite have his wind yet. I don't know if it was something as simple as he couldn't quite like it, it, it He didn't have the touch on the ball. Like sometimes when when that happens, like it feels like you're catching the ball off your palms instead of catching the ball on your your fingertips. And I don't know if it was something like that, but he wasn't quite himself. And he looked like himself tonight. Like he was, you know what's funny about this Goodman? You know what's funny about it? He had the very first touch that he got, he had a turnaround, right? I don't know if you noticed this. The first shot that he got was a turnaround, and he threw it off the side of the fucking backboard. And it came right back to him, and he laid it right back in. And then the next yeah. possession yeah. down, they gave it right back. I think there was a drive, and they gave it to him, and he got a layup at the rim. And then it was yeah, like, right. oh, okay, he's going. And then they gave it to him two possessions later, and he scored like a little duck in. So I, I think I think part of it is he's starting to get healthy, but I think part of it is you're right. They got him going, and he got the confidence, and it was – he needs uh, maybe it was more of a, yeah, maybe
1: his personality is such that he can float a little bit. He's not gonna demand the mm-hmm. ball. That's not his personality. Now, eventually, maybe he can be that type of, of guy, but you know, you know you've sat with him multiple times. I've sat with him multiple times. He is too nice of a kid. And and again, I think they gotta do that. And and I think Caravan knows it, and I think Tristan Newton knows it. Um Again, they need him to be great, and, and tonight,
3: you know what's funny? Like the the one. So I, I was thinking about this right, and outside of just like nitpicks about defensive matchups and saying like I don't know if they 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 have a great defender here and this and that, whatever. I think the one concern that I would have is that their best players aren't wired the way that andre jackson was wired and wired the way that that jordan hawkins was wired cam sure. spencer is but like clinging not really care like a super nice dude um no but Car- no, i disagree kinda- with
1: you with caravan i i disagree with you a thousand percent on the court with caravan he he's tough? a killer on the court. he's tough
3: he, he talks, no, he's he's tough.
1: he's vocal, tough but he's a leader Yes.
3: So what I was going to say is that's exactly what Camp Spencer is. Like I think that I, I don't think we can overstate enough how important it was to land Camp Spencer. Uh, not just because he had what do you have? 15 four boards, three steals, two assists tonight, but he's like he's nuts, dude. Like he he's out of his damn mother. Just like, his
1: brother. Mind. Just like yeah. his brother. They're both fucking nuts and that's what makes him great. That's that's why you want them for the fabric, right? Plus he could play, but he's not, he's not a great defender, but he's smart. He plays hard. He's tough. He's diving on the floor. Like, I don't know. Again, listen, when I said earlier this year and and UConn fans still ripped me on it when I walked into the garden, one UConn fan, Oh, Indiana's his talent. First of all, I said it when castle wasn't playing. All right. I said the talent Mm -hmm. level in the starting five castle was not out there. It's not like, like caravan and, and, Cam Spencer, the most talented dudes ever. You know what they are? They play hard as shit. They're tough. They they play smart. Uh, they do all the little things, all the intangibles. Where yeah, Indiana's guys, they're, they're they're not like that, but they're more talented. You're telling me they're
3: more they're more. Here's here's the here's the, the way that I would agree. This is the point that you're awesome. trying to make. This is the point that you're trying to make, and and that I understand what you're saying, and I don't think that people understand what you're saying. That Indiana team is more physically gifted with guys that have the kind of tools that are that would make you be appealing to teams picking in the lottery that also can do things like shoot it, like handle the ball on the perimeter. Khalil Ware yes. is in an ideal world a potential lottery pick. Mackenzie Mbacher, totally. in an ideal world, he might is be a, a lottery pick lottery this pick.
1: year. Listen,
3: and 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 Khalil Ware Johnson is the guy. No, I look, i am not. I'm not disagreeing with you on that, but when the only I, I told you this at the time, the only thing I would push back on is, pretty significantly is like the when it comes to like skills and actual basketball ability, like uh, it, it's the, it doesn't even compare. But what when you say talent, I don't think pe- I know I know you well enough to know what you mean when you say talent. But these other people like they don't they don't get the point that you're trying to make. So I understand what you're saying.
1: Even I get NBA it. talent. Even NBA talent yeah. is, is I guess what I'm saying is like McKenzie, Who are you? You're, you're probably going to draft Mackenzie and Baco over Alex Caraban. You just are right now. Like like NBA teams are going to go with upside, and McKenzie and Baco has higher upside.
3: I don't. I don't. Uh, All right. Maybe maybe, uh, I'll, I'll... maybe. maybe. Look when when they played. I think you had a better argument than right now. After we have we have like uh, uh, six more games of a sample size to deal with there, so that's the only pushback I, I, yeah. I can give you. All right, before I don't want to I don't want to rehash this argument because like we're just going to go down a rabbit hole. But I do want to ask you this question. Okay, I think we both agree that Arizona and Purdue are probably the two best teams in America. Do you think that that's fair?
0: Um, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring.
1: I don't, I, you know, like I want to see Arizona again tomorrow. We, we saw him at Duke, and and mm-hmm. Duke isn't very good. They beat Michigan well, So my State. my question is, how Michigan far State how far
3: outside how 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 close is UConn to being the best team in America? Like, are you are we getting are we getting to the point where we have to have that conversation? Is it yeah, like, sure. are, are they in the same yes. tier?
1: Okay. Yes, yes, of course they're in the same tier. That must be Kansas at Kansas. Yes, they're in the same tier. They're not far up. And, and again, they've got a freshman in Castle that we haven't really seen yet, in my opinion. We, we really haven't seen. T- now, again, you can't shoot. can't shoot. But they don't really need <laughs> he him. He shoot. I mean,
3: He, he airballed awful. an open three, and then he had another one that got stuck between the rim and the back. No, he, looked like, me, yeah. he yeah. looked like me out there. He looked like me out there. That was not great.
1: But, that was not great. But again… Yes, I would say uh, they're in the they're in the conversation. UConn is in that conversation. I want to see Arizona tomorrow, and I want to see what they're made of in Indy against a top-five team. They haven't played a top-five team yet. They haven't. Duke is not that. Michigan State's not even a tournament team today. Wisconsin's a good mm-hmm. team, but they played them at McHale, and I think Wisconsin's a top-20-ish team at the end of the day this year. They've been oh, great they over the last few weeks
3: here. They beat the shit out of Wisconsin. No, killed them. That was Kill bad. them They beat the. But bikes I want to see of.
1: what they can do. I want to see what they can do when they step up a weight class. Yeah, that's all.
3: No, I I that's agree. All. I agree. And and look, well, we're gonna we're gonna break down the entire Saturday slate here in a couple of minutes. That that uh, I cannot wait. This was the perfect appetizer. Yukon Gonzaga was yeah, the perfect appetizer for what is going to be. Uh, I think you can make an argument maybe the best regular season day that we're going to get the entire season. I don't know if anything can touch it. We got Arizona Save. Purdue. We got Arizona Purdue and Kentucky, North Carolina. It might be the two most entertaining games we get all season long in the regular season. Those are going to be awesome to watch. We're going to get to all that here in a little bit. Um, I just to put a ball on the, the, the Yukon conversation real quick. Um, I do want to give credit to Dan Hurley for, scheduling and i think mark few as well for scheduling the way yes. that he scheduled right you're the reigning national champion you are um you are uh a self-proclaimed blue blood which i believe is a blue blood right and you go out and you play at kansas you play north carolina on a neutral you play uh, uh effectively a road game um at gonzaga and you play indiana on a neutral court in an event where you could have ended up playing Louisville. Now, I know Louisville's not Louisville, but still, that's like five of the top 10 programs in the history of college basketball, right? You go out and he wasn't afraid to schedule. And I do think that that is something that is really important in this sport is to have the coaches at the most recognizable programs to go out and schedule like this. Now, Arizona did it too. Duke did it too. Yes. Tom Izzo did yes. it too. There's a lot of coaches that that did that, but uh, I think we need, it's really we need to
1: expose. Hey, we need to expose the ones that didn't. I, I think we need to do that next week. Uh, let's expose. The, we we got the halves, and like you <laughs> said, Mark Few does it every. Mark Few does it every year, every yep. year, and he kind of has to because they're in the WCC. But he does it. Tommy Lloyd but He still does it, man. He still three.
3: does it. Like doing it, doing totally. it is what matters. Totally. Giving us these games that are yep. great non-conference games that can cut through the noise of football in November and December that aren't just NTEs and aren't just uh, the Maui Invitational, all that stuff matters. Listen, before we get into the preview of the games, um, I mentioned Louisville. I do want to ask you about Kenny Payne. You had a report, I believe it was, I mean, now it was two days ago since it's 12.32 in the a.m. here, but um, that basically said- (laughs)
1: It wasn't last night? No, it wasn't, was it?
3: It was, was Thursday. Night. It was Thursday night. Yeah, it was Thursday night, which is now two days ago. It's it, yeah, I, I can't keep yeah. track of timing anymore either. But um, it it basically said that the athletic director at Louisville was um, talking to players about leading. what the future. Yeah. yeah. So just you know what, before, so, I, so I don't have to reword it. Explain to yeah. me what your report was and and the status of Kenny Payne yeah. right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he met with players uh, yesterday, multiple players. Uh, Josh Hurd did, the AD at Louisville. And uh, it's trending in the direction that Kenny Payne is not going to be there. uh, For the, you know, at some point, my source said, you know, sometime soon, fairly soon, uh, a move will be made on Kenny Payne. And, you know, I don't know if it's going to be next week uh, during break, I don't know if he's going to coach the Kentucky game and, and let him get kind of through the new year and then make a move. Uh, I had a source tell me that it, it may be the, the holdup, be figuring out the interim, what they're going to do. Because, again, a lot of people think Danny Manning's going to take over. I've been told Danny Manning has no desire to do this again. He did it at Maryland uh, last, year, two, last year, two years ago. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. two years ago. And uh, he doesn't want to do it again. Um, so I, I think they're trying to figure that part out too. And, and again, you're dealing with one of your own, right? You're dealing with one of your own here as much as, again, Kenny Payne has done a abysmal job and there's no other way to say, it. I'm not going to go all Fanta here and, and go crazy for and, and, and rant and rave for 30 seconds. But, <laughs> but what I am going to do, you is could say, never
3: go full Fanta Goodman. You could never cannot, pull it
1: off. <laughs> I could not pull that off. There's no way in hell. Uh, but, again, what, I, what I'll say is that you still have to treat him with the respect because he was a player in the program, and he is as class a guy as it gets. Like, Kenny Payne is a really, really good human being. So, again, you, you're going to try to do things the right way. You're gonna, you are you got to talk to players in the program, get the pulse from them. Make sure you're doing your due diligence before you make any sort of move here. And I think that's ultimately what Josh Heard, who's a young AD still. He, he's only been at the job for a couple of years. And remember, he was pressured into hiring Kenny Payne in the first place. That's what people don't understand, is that was the time, honestly, when you had a lot of former players getting the jobs. They were they were, they were fairly successful at that point. Juwan Howard was killing it at that point, right? I mean, he was coming off like an Elite Eight appearance, the year before, uh, you know, Woodson got hired. You know, Ewing hadn't sucked quite as bad at that point. Uh, so I, I think it was a little bit different than it is today. Now that you want. Howard is, is struggling. Ewing was a train wreck. Chris Mullen was a train wreck. So many of them. Penny's doing a little bit better right now. But most of those former NBA you know, players, Mike Woodson, yeah, he's he's fine. He's fine.
3: All right, so here's what I want to do for this game. Let's let's uh let's put the assumption gotta out there. Our, we got to talk to yeah, you on hour.
1: We got to talk to you Yeah, we will, our, we,
3: will in a second, we will we we will in a second, but I do want to just put the assumption out there that um the decision has been made and Kenny Payne is no longer the head coach at Louisville, right? Oh, like okay. this is the the no, gonna play this we working in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to give right. you names. All right. I'm going to give you names and I want you to react to the names that I give you. Okay. Um. The first thing I'm going to tell you is two. Uh, the, the, I don't want to play the, you got to give a call to Jay, Wright. You got to call Billy Donovan. You got to call Scott Drew. You got to call Bill self. We're not, we're my not, time. Playing that game. we're not playing that. Game. Okay. So the, the two that I don't know if you would be able to hire the first one is Chris Beard. I don't know if you'd be able to get him. And two, um, I, I told you this last year when, or the, when, before Kenny Payne was hired, I think Bruce Pearl would be at the, would turn Louisville into a top five program every single year with the fan base and what he can do. I don't know if you could hire him. I don't know if he would take the job. I think that he's set up pretty well in Auburn. So re, quick, be quick on these uh, Bruce Pearl and Chris Beard. How do you feel about those two?
1: And well, like, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think, first of all, If I'm Chris Beard, and I would tell him this, you you can't leave Keith Carter after he gave you this lifeline. Like you can't leave Mm -hmm. him after one year. You can't go. No, no, no. I don't know if they would go after him. And and he fits Ole Miss. He fits Ole Miss. Like Mm -hmm. it's a perfect spot for him. So I I would take that off the table. Number one. Yep. Uh, Bruce Pearl. I mean, intriguing, intriguing. You know that that's a name that. I don't know if he'd go either because he's got it set up in the SEC and, you know, he's got NIL. Remember, like, Louisville doesn't have great NIL right now. It's a Mm -hmm. major rebuild. Now, you can rebuild quicker in in the portal than you ever could. Um, Those are two interesting names. Um, You want to keep throwing them at me? uh,
3: Yeah, I'm going to keep throwing them at you. you. Okay, so the next two are, I think, the two – Best game or the two best names that you can get, and the two um the two ones that I think are going to be the most likely ones to get thrown out there, right? That is Jerome Tang, yeah. Kansas State, yeah, and Dusty May at FAU. How do you feel about those two?
1: They're both behind the guy that I have. Like I have one that I think is like a slam dunk if you take it. Uh so I I, I like them both, but they would be down my list. You know, again, uh Tang's done it for a year. Um, a year and change right now, Dusty May's done it really for a year and change. Now, again, Dusty May's gone kind of to a Final Four. Um, and he's done it at a brutally difficult job. Um, I, I would be concerned that if I hired him, Josh Hurd and I hired Dusty May, that the moment Mike Woodson decides to either retire or is uh, pushed out at Indiana, you're gonna lose him. You're not getting a lifetime coach with Dusty May you know, at Louisville. So I don't know if I'd go that route just because of that, to be honest. Mike Woods is not young. He's not going to be around for much longer. I think you're probably talking, you know, you know, anywhere from like two to five years. You want to hire somebody at Louisville that you hope is going to be there for 10 years. I don't see that with Dusty May.
3: Yeah, um, that's exactly my concern with Dusty May. Um, I have less concern with uh, Jerome Tang, I think, than other people do. But that's just because I like – I just think that the the aura and the, and the level of positivity that that he has about just life in general, <laughs> like Scott Drew, like assistants just end up working out. All right, so I have two more names written down. One of them is the guy that I I think would be your home run and the first guy on your list. So I'm going to save that for the end. Uh, I have an outside-the-box, hire that I think would absolutely crush it, uh, and I think that you're going to look at me and be like, I don't know. Uh, And that is Nico Medved from Colorado State.
1: I don't know. Yeah, that's what (laughs) I would say. Like, I'm just – I'm not there with Nico for Louisville. I'm just not there. As much as I I think Nico's a terrific coach, I'm just not sold that he would fit Louisville perfectly. I I don't know. You know, to me, um, I'd have to think of the next real good spot for for Nico. I think a lot of people think it's going to be Minnesota. Uh, obviously louisville's a much better job than than minnesota uh so i i would say nico would be down my list below tang below dusty man
3: yeah all right so this is the guy that i am guessing is going to be number one on your list you and i have not talked about this correct nope
1: nope we've we not, have not we've had, had not. this
3: conversation nope. so i think that the guy i i think he would probably be the first call that i would make. And I don't know if yeah. you can make this hire because the last time you went to the school it did not work out too well. Um, but Sean Miller, I think that he would. Not my,
1: not my guy. That's not my guy. Is it?
3: Okay, it's not your guy. Is it Mick Cronin?
1: No. No, Mick's okay, got a buyout. Mick's got a huge buyout that supposedly people are saying he might be able to get out of. I just don't see him being able to get out of it. So I don't think you can bring Mick back to Louisville where he was <laughs>
3: is it, you're is it, is missing a are you bringing no, rick patito back
1: that's <laughs> no, not rick it's not rick or richard so uh it is ready this is easy this is an easy one now, i don't know if he take it but this Am is a very really easy one yeah i mean scott drew how do you not go after scott drew and give him a, a contract of nine million a year for six years okay And, yes, he's opening a new building in Waco. What I said at
3: the very open, just uh, – I I don't know if you heard this. What I said at the open was I'm not including Scott. He was one of the guys I wasn't going to include in this conversation just because I don't think he would actually take it.
1: See, I I think he he might. You think he would? I think he's one that would listen. I think he's one that would listen because he's done as much as he can do at Baylor. And I know everybody's going to tell, well, they won a national title. They're in the top ten every year now. I just don't know if you can sustain it, and you don't have NIL there. You don't have big-time NIL. Yeah, I just think it's hard. He's done such a remarkable job. And what if he could somehow rebuild Louisville? He rebuilt the, the most difficult rebuild in college basketball history, maybe. And if he could rebuild Baylor was Louisville. not a
3: rebuild. Baylor was not a rebuild. He built
1: a a Baylor. A he built. built Whatever. He built Whatever. it. He built it. He built it. He should have a statue in Waco when he leaves. And again, to me, nobody's going to fault them if you go to a different league. Nobody's going to fault him for, for leaving for Louisville. I mean, Baylor fans won't be happy, but he gave him how many years? You know, it, it, it'd be It probably it probably be up to his kids. You know, my take would be for Scott Drew. Could his could he do it with his kids? You know, he's got one daughter in college, um, but I think I think it'd be hard. I'm not saying he'd do it. I'm just saying that's the first call I would make, and I would make him an offer that would be very, very, very difficult for him to refuse. Tell me he's not the perfect guy, though. Like he's the perfect guy for it. I he, he can coach, he can coach, he can recruit, he's he knows the Midwest. He can recruit anywhere, he can recruit highly coveted guys, he can he, go the to the transfer thing, board. The
3: only thing I would say, and I look, I love if you listen to this show, you know how I feel about Scott Drew. I love Scott Drew. Um there's two two things I would say. One is I think that when you are coaching at Louisville, it's it's a little bit more of a fishbowl than what sure. he's experienced in twenty-one years at Baylor. Um which he is loves why talking to per-
1: people. He loves kissing babies. Come on.
3: Yeah, but there's there's more there's more pressure that comes with sure. being yes. in the uh, like you could have – if, yeah. if he has a year at Baylor like they did last year where they get bounced early in the tournament and they're not that great and they just kind of – you know, they're a top 20-ish kind of a team. Like, okay, yeah, whatever. That's fine. You do that at school. Like, Louisville, it becomes a little bit more of a pressure thing. There's a little bit more attention that comes with it, which is why the guy that I – like, the first one that I mentioned was uh, Bruce Pearl because I think that he – I don't think Bruce Pearl can operate when he's not in the fishbowl. Like, can can he live if he doesn't have all the attention focused on him? No, I don't, no, I don't know tough. if he could. and. And like invigorating a fan base, but I mean, Scott would be awesome. The the big thing is good. The, the number two on my list, but I don't know if he would take it. The bass fishing in, in Louisville is just going to be nothing close to what it is down there in Texas. So I I don't know. I don't know. You're gonna have to make sure that he has a. He's got a, You got to make sure that Scott would have a stocked pond. Listen, um, what's the most eighty.
1: We'll get him a couple goals.
3: He'll, be, he'll okay. be fine. I don't think it's going to do it. All right. What do you know about uh, Juwan Howard coming back? What where do, where, where do we? You mentioned we have to talk about it.
1: I mean, we just know that they hey they did the investigation like I reported. Listen, like I reported, there were no punches thrown. They 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 literally stood toe to toe, chest to chest. Verbally, they were yelling at each other. They had to be separated. Uh, it was something that escalated because of of a situation involving his son. Uh, Jace said to the the trainer. Thus, the strength coach got pissed off, hearing the disrespect. He said something that, in turn, uh, then uh, Juwan got upset about. And and you know, again, it got it got kind of tense. It got heavy, and they looked into it. They talked to the players. They talked to other people that were there, and ultimately, they decided that it was time to. to you know, for Juwan to be able to uh, continue and now become the head coach again, which I, it's been baffling for the last couple of weeks because he's been on the bench. It's been one of the more, you know, confusing situations I've seen. Martelli's still the head coach, but you've got the head coach who's sitting there and he's he's well enough to be able to sit there and get kicked out of a game, but he's not well enough to coach. <laughs> I, I don't understand that. I don't quite understand really, how that's okay really right? for
3: the heart. Right? He got he got he got objective, but he's not healthy enough to come back. I don't mean to laugh at the situation. Like it uh, I'm glad no that he's but okay. it is
1: right. But of it's, course it's,
3: of on, course man, like that shit is funny. Right. That shit is funny, right? right. like come like
1: on. seriously <laughs> like if when your doctor say, hey listen, you know what after you got tossed, okay, you know what? We're not letting you sit <laughs> no. the side you're,
3: you're, like, look, like, you're, you're right? off the bench now man. You're like, you like you can't control me. You got to go you know, at least the stand. four the stands,
1: right? Right. <laughs> you could sit with your family, with your wife in the stands or something, but you can't now. You can't sit in the bench anymore. So he's back. Uh, they play Eastern Michigan tomorrow, and uh, you know, again, but but I, lose I that, just think man. he's
3: not lose that.
1: Well, I listen. They're they're what five and five, um, you know. I think, regardless of him being back it's five or not, and
3: five, and they still might be the second best team of the Big Ten. Good, that's how bad the enough,
1: Big Ten is. second best team. Will you uh, no. you don't know that. We
3: haven't seen him with Juwan Howard. You you can't say that definitively. We haven't seen him with Howard. I'll see Howard the second best yet. team. He just team got in the, a fight in with Big a strength coach. He might be reinvigorated here. You can't say that definitively. Sunday, listen. Sunday, I'm, I'm seeing
1: one. the second best team in the Big Ten, and he and and they reside in Champaign, Illinois.
3: Are you going to go get dinner at uh, Trevor Valise's house?
1: I told him. I said, listen. I said, you pick the spot. I I said, pick the place. And and Trevor looked at me like, really? I said, yeah. You're not going to be able to price me out in Champaign, (laughs) Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) What,
3: What did he say? Trevor said, all right, Denny's, baby. Let's go. We got Waffle
1: House for dinner
3: call for whatever it is listen we have a we have a fun game coming up here in just a couple of minutes uh we are going to go through the eight biggest games of the day and jeff and i are going to sit here and argue our case dagan's going to pick whoever makes the most compelling case and we're going to put together an 18 parlay on bet mgm and we are going to absolutely bankrupt them let's go As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season, and we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners, and the viewers on the Field of 68 each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500, and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When crossing cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, We do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. Welcome back to the Friday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. Uh, We're presented by our partners over at BetMGM. My name is Rob Doster. I got Jeff Goodman here with me. Make sure you use that code FIELD1500 if you're going to place any wagers tomorrow on the best. Well, actually, it's technically today right now if you're living on the East Coast. But on the best day of college basketball where you're going to get uh, in the calendar year of 2023. Um, All right. The game that we are playing here is both of us are going to argue a side here. Whether it's uh, it's it's Kansas or Indiana, whether it's the over, whether it's the under, both of us are going to argue a bet that should be made in uh, the eight biggest games of the day. Um, and our producer Dagan Hughes is going to decide what bet we make. We're going to put it all together. We're going to make an eight leg parlay, uh, and we're going to get rich, Goodman, because Dagan doesn't miss.
2: I wish I could say I don't miss, but sure, we'll go with that. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right, don't miss, so let's start. Me. Dagen, um, Dagan, well, let, let's start with uh, with Kansas and Indiana. It is a 12-30 tip on CBS. Gooden will be there, by the way. Um, he's doing the, uh, the double hender in the state of Indiana. He's got Kansas at Indiana, and then he has Purdue against Arizona in uh, in, in Indianapolis. So Kansas is a 7.5-point uh, favorite. The total there is um, – I thought Dagan was going to bring up a graphic so I could be able to read this. The total there is 146 uh point 0.5 um goodman what is the best bet that you have on the Kansas indiana game? Is,
1: is is there a bet uh for over under on how many threes are made in this game cuz i want the under <laughs> whatever it is i'll take the under on on threes made in this game and maybe threes attempted by indiana uh no i, I i'll i'll probably take I would take Kansas laying the seven and a half. You said it's now seven and a half. Um, Yep. I think I still will. Cause Xavier Johnson is not going to play in this one. Um, And I just feel like uh, Gabe cups and trace Galloway against uh, uh, Trey Galloway against Kansas's uh, perimeter defensively. They're going to have a tough time. They're going to have a tough time scoring. Uh, and getting the ball into to those bigs. And, again, the spacing's going to be awful. Uh, so I would say, to me, um, I'd probably go Kansas, and I would take the Indiana team under, whatever that number is. I haven't looked at it. You oh, no. No, you
3: only get one bet. You only get one bet. I want two.
1: Took- I want two here. No, you all right, two I'll two take the Indiana team under. Bet. All right, I'll go You're Indiana six, team right, under. What is it? What is uh, it?
3: 69 and a half.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll ride that all day.
3: Yeah. Indiana team under 69.5. Yeah. So those are the two bets. I literally had two written down in this game to be able to, to yeah. pick here. So I, I just, I think Kansas wins this game by 15 points. Um, yeah. And, I think that laying at seven and a half uh, makes a lot of sense. It opened at six and a half, uh, so that you, and it's probably going to end up moving up. But I just, I don't see a way that Kansas, uh, that Indiana is going to be able to run offense here. There's Kansas has three dudes on the perimeter, absolute killers defensively. And Khalil Ware is, uh, is, is going to get eaten. Like he's not going to be able to function against, uh, against Hunter Dickinson. So Dagan. You have Indiana team total under sixty nine and a half, or Kansas laying seven and a half. What is well, your
2: pick? Technically, we're we're all going to be in agreement here because Jeff also said Kansas minus seven and a half. So we're just going to take true. Kansas seven and a half minus seven and a half. We're going to roll. That's I'm, I'm with you guys. Kansas is just Got better. It. So let's just let's just do it.
3: All right, Kansas laying seven do? and a half is the first bet in our parlay. All right, uh, game number two, Michigan State. Taking on Baylor, that game is being played in Detroit. Baylor is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The total error is 144.5. Goodman, what do you like?
1: Boy, uh, do you have player props in front of you?
3: Uh, no. the, the player props have not been uploaded into oh, uh, BetMGM yet.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay, I didn't think so. All right, so I will – Man, I'm torn on this one. I got to tell you, I feel like, obviously, you like Baylor given three and a half there. But the line's already come down. And, man, betting against Izzo right now scares the living shit out of me. Um, But I'm going to go Baylor. I'm going to go Baylor giving three and a half. But I don't love it, I got to tell you.
3: All right. So, um, I think that the obvious play here is Baylor laying three and a half. Uh, I think right. that this is the such an obvious play that doesn't make sense to me that this the line is what it is. Michigan State has not been good this season. Right. Um, Baylor has looked like one of the best teams in college basketball. They are undefeated for a reason. I think that uh, the perimeter weapons that uh, Michigan State has are going to be overwhelmed by the perimeter weapons that Baylor has, and I think that this is a game where uh, Baylor is a ten to fifteen point. Uh, they're 10 to 15 points better than Michigan State. It's one of those ones where you look it's at it and you say, I around. don't understand why this – hold on. I don't understand why this line is what it is, which is why I am going to dodge this trap. This is what BetMGM is trying to do. They're trying to lay that trap for you. They're trying to say, oh, Baylor's only laying three and a half. Oh, Michigan State, they've been so bad this season. Oh, this is, this is the best bet. This is the easiest bet I've ever seen in my life. No. I am not falling for it. Dagan, do not let Jeff Goodman trick us here. We are not only taking What's Michigan State plus three and a half. What's the we're over? taking the Michigan State money line plus 140. That is what I'm saying is the best bet in this game. That is what I'm going to be on. Dagan, what do you think?
2: And You guys are making this one hard because I also hate the Baylor minus three and a half. I hate a trap. This feels like a trap. I hate all of it, but I also really don't want to pick – uh, Michigan State plus three and a half or the money line. So, what's uh, the over so, under? What's uh, the over under?
3: Half.
1: 144
2: and a half. It's kind of high. That's yeah. Goodman, I you're that's so where bad was, at these that's games. Where I right was going to go, but <laughs> again, I don't like a trap. You know, we all know Vegas is always right. So, I'm going to roll with the trap or against the trap we're going to go with michigan state rob congratulations you won that one we're going to roll michigan State. the money line or plus three, plus three and a half and a you're half. taking the money line uh, i mean actually you know what let's, uh, yeah, let's the do money point. line no let's do money line why not uh, yeah, take, take the, the points. i'm in let's, let's do point. money line
1: no no no, no take the no, points We're going. Megan
3: is the home. one that makes the pick you don't get a say yeah, in this you don't get going a going say in this here. conversation all right game number three we have texas a&m taking on houston um the line there is Houston minus seven and a half. The total there is one thirty point five. Goodman, this is how the game is played. You pick one bet that you like out of the spread, out of the total, out of the money line, and you argue it for 30 seconds, and then you let me argue by bet, and then we let Dagan pick the two the the out of those two bets. Okay? Are you good? Are yeah, you good I know. with this. We've got the yeah, two yeah, of the games.
1: Yeah, the first couple were tough. This one's a little bit easier for me right now. The line started at 10 believe it or not the line started 10 it's all the way down you said to seven and a half now um I still like am in this one I, I think they've got Henry Coleman back um you know they're 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 healthier now um I, I like I like Buzz Williams to keep it close I don't think they're gonna win uh I wouldn't take the money line but I'll take the seven and a half all
3: right so my take here is that uh the total is what it is right now because um, because Texas A&M's metrics defensively are not great. I think that Buzz Williams has a team that is tough, that is physical, that you, like you just mentioned, they got Henry Coleman back, that wants to play a defensive brand of basketball. Neither Texas A&M or Houston want to get up and down the floor, and neither of them are what you would call elite offensively, right? So I think that this is going to be a game that gets played in the high 50s. I think that the under is the bet that you want to be on here. I think the under is the side that you want to be on here. And honestly, like, whenever there is a big underdog in a game where I'm betting the under, I would tend to lean towards the underdog. So I don't even hate the Texas A&M side on this one either. So I don't think that we can go wrong here with either bet that Dagan picks.
2: Yeah, uh, Jeff, you need to start fighting back. Rob's kicking your ass right now. I'm going with the under. I like the under in this one. I mean, but like you said, Rob, both, both teams are solid defensively. I'm, I'm on the under with you with them. So, Jeff, you need to pick it up over here. Yeah, All
3: right. Jeff All right. Jeff is uh, taking some L's here. All right, Clemson, Memphis. Uh, I believe this game is going to be in Memphis, if I am uh, not mistaken. So this will be a road game for, uh, for the Clemson Tigers. Uh, Memphis is laying 2.5. The total here is 150.5, and the money line, Uh, which you would see if Dagan would bring the graphic up is uh one plus 124 Clemson. Goodman, where are you?
1: Yeah, I go Memphis with this one. I mean, David Jones has been unbelievable, and uh, they got Quinterly, they're old too. We talk about Clemson being old and they're undefeated, but when you go to Memphis now, I think the FedEx form is going to be rocking for this one. You know, Memphis is ready, they've won a couple close games. You know, they bring in Naquan Tomlin, who's not going to play in this game, uh, but he just got there yesterday. I I like Memphis in this one a lot. I I just think, again, you watch P.J. Hall with me, and I love the kid, but he looked a little cocky there, calling out Zach Eady for not being undefeated. I think they're going down in this one.
3: Uh, Yeah, I I tend to agree. I like the – i like the memphis side of this but i'm going to be on the under here and that is because i think that um the reason why the number is where it is at, at over 150 uh is because memphis wants to get up and down the floor and play fla- uh play fast um and i think that clumphis uh clump clemson. 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 this is a hard thing to say Clumphis. like that memphis clemson clumphis this is a, this is a difficult one for me to say um but I do think that Clemson is going to control the tempo of this game, um, and I don't think that we're going to be seeing a game that is played in the high 70s or the 80s. Uh, so give me the under 150 and a half in this one,
2: Dagan. All right, take Memphis. Take Memphis. You, you won one, Given. I like Memphis <laughs> here um, in this one. There's a little thing. There's a little trend that Trevor and I have noticed. Um, yeah. Uh, with people that have come on our show and what has happened after they've been on our show. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm rolling with Memphis. on this no, Don't say it out loud. Gonna Dagan. It. We're, we're out never going to get another mm-hmm. guest. But we're rolling with Memphis. They don't know. They didn't say anything. We're rolling, we're rolling with Memphis.
3: <laughs> that's hey, Dagan. That's part of the reason. Why, who was our guest last night? That's part of the reason Scott why Trump. I'm on Michigan state. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I'm on Michigan State in that game. All right, right. Florida Atlantic taking on St. Bonaventure. That game is at the Mass Mutual Center in Springfield, Massachusetts. Beautiful Springfield, Massachusetts. How do you not love Springfield, Massachusetts? Uh, FAU is laying nine and a half. The total there is 148 and a half. And St. Bonaventure is plus 375 on the money line. Goodman, what do you like?
1: I'll take the points and the Bonneys, man. Mark Schmidt can coach his ass off. We know that. Anytime you give a Mark Schmidt team that many points, and listen, FAU is not playing great basketball right now. They're not. Um, yeah, you know, I think they win this, but I don't think they cover this one at all. Nick Boyd's still probably not back for this one. I, I don't know. I just I feel like the Bonneys will find a way to keep it tight, and it's and it's close to home for them.
3: Yeah, I I like. I like FAU here, um, and the reason why I like FAU is that I, I don't think that there is the length and athleticism on St. Bonaventure's wings that will be able to to bother or take advantage of the fact that John L. Davis and Elijah Martin are 6'2 and 6'3, respectively. Um, I don't think that they have a big guy inside. I'll respect to Chad Venning. I don't think they have the big guy inside to be able to get uh, Vlad Golden into foul trouble, and I do think that this is – uh kind of a i don't want to say like a revenge spot but it's something where i feel like fau is going to be kind of pissed about the fact that they gave up 98 points to an illinois team um, on national television at the jimmy v so uh, this is another chance on national tv this is another chance to be able to uh, show people what they can do Uh, and if there's one thing we know about st bonaventure it's that uh, they are not a great defensive team this year. So give me Florida Atlantic, lay the nine and a half. It's not a, it's not an actual home game. Um, Springfield is, what, like six hours from only in New York? Uh, I don't even know if Woj is going to make the drive up from Bristol for this one, Goodman. So uh, give me lot. He'll
2: probably pay for the bus, though. All right, fellas. Again, another tough one for me here. But I think I'm going to go back with Rob on this one. I like Florida Atlantic. Obviously, we saw them down there. See them in person. Like Rob said, no chance to make a statement. I'm rolling with uh, the Owls on this one.
3: All right. So now we get into the single biggest game of the day. Maybe the biggest game of the college basketball season. We have the AP polls number one team, Arizona. It's the AP polls number three team, Purdue. We have Ken Palm number two against Ken Palm number three. We have Field of 68, number one against Field of 68, number two. And we have Goodman's. Uh, I don't even know what you rank these teams because your rankings make no sense. I think you have Arizona sixth and Purdue 27th in your uh, most recent. Poll. Arizona
1: one, Arizona one, Purdue three.
3: That's the savviest thing you've ever said in your entire life. Um, all right, Jeff. Arizona's laying a point and a half in Indianapolis. The total here is 159.5. It actually came down because it opened at 160.5. How do you feel about this matchup on Peacock? I, is, is Hummel calling this game?
1: He is. He is. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to buy Peacock for him. I had to buy it, you know, try to, try to make it so – he, was, he he's upset about his contract with field of 68. So I told him I'd subscribe to
3: Peacock. <laughs> he's just upset that he's got to deal with you every single fucking week. That's a,
1: that's his problem with the field of 68 contract.
3: All right. Break down this matchup for me. You, you, I, I officially give you more than 30 seconds for a game as big as Arizona against Purdue.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I look at it and I say to myself, like, Arizona's got the advantage in a lot of these matchups. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're more athletic, uh, but they don't have Zach Eady and they don't have the home court advantage. And I just think as much as I love Boswell, and I do, like Braden Smith has been playing so well lately. So well. And what do you do if you're Arizona? Are you gonna like you gonna play him straight up with Balo? Like I don't know if you can because again we've seen what he does to guys when you try to play him straight up, and then if you double him or you help, like to me you're going to leave those guys open. And right now they got confidence. Braden Smith is playing with with the utmost confidence. And what I think here's what I think is going to be huge for for Purdue. I think Lance Jones comes in. This is like the Lance Jones game, and and I don't mean he's going to go for like 15, 18 points necessarily but he fits what they need. In this game, right, he's perfect p- for being able to guard, whether it is rotate on on Boswell or certainly Caleb Love, those big, strong, thick, athletic guards. That's where Lance Johns comes in in, in handy. And I, I think Purdue wins this game. And, again, like I said before, I love Arizona, but just look at who they've beaten so far. It's not like, uh, you know, Duke and Michigan State have have lit the world on on fire so far.
3: Yeah, so um, I actually have uh, Purdue winning this game as well, and it's plus 105 to win it. And this is actually where we got to talk about Vaulted. Vaulted is an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. It is a place you can store your own predictions forever, and by using the Vaulted Challenge feature, you can prove you're smarter than your friends. So go download the Vaulted app as V-L-T-E-D to store your predictions, challenge your friends, and join daily cash prize pools. Uh, Goodman. I actually sent you the challenge. I said that Purdue is going to end up winning. So I guess you were not going to accept that challenge because we're on the same page there. Uh, But I will say that I do like the under in this spot. And the reason I say that is because uh, I think that it is easier to slow a game down than it is to speed it up. I think that Purdue is going to be able to control the tempo of this matchup. Um, I think that they are – that both of these teams are good enough on the defensive glass that we're not going to see the kind of – you know, Zach Eady go out there and get 17 offensive rebounds and score 15 second chance points. I don't think we're going to see that from Arizona either. Uh, and I do think that um, Purdue's guards are going to have trouble dealing with the Arizona ball pressure. But to me, um, I am more confident in saying that that will manifest itself as a game that ends up being like 72 to 70 than it will um, manifest as a game where Arizona wins by like three to five points, if that makes sense. So uh, I'm on the same page with you in terms of how the game ends up getting played out. Uh, I would lean towards the under. I think that is a better bet than the Purdue side. But um, these, these two, two teams are equal to me. Purdue, it's played in Purdue's home state and Purdue is getting uh, a point and a half and the money line is plus 105. So um, Dagan, whatever you say here, I'm in on. So pick something. For me. Yeah, uh,
2: I'm, you, you took the points. Yes, Goodman with Purdue. Or did you take money line? Yeah, we took the money yeah, line. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Okay, well, we're going to go money line because probably going to have a little better value. But Purdue money line scares yes. me a little bit. You never really know what the foul shots and, you know, how people are refereed. So you got to be careful with that.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, some, uh, some players are uh, unfairly refereed. Goodman, I don't know if you are aware of that. All right, the game that might be the most entertaining game. Of the day which actually overlaps with the end of the arizona purdue game i hope you got two screens available north carolina taking on kentucky uh that game will be played in atlanta in the cbs sports classic north carolina is laying a point and a half and the total there jeff is 164 and a half what do you like here
1: i like the veteran team and that is the north carolina tar heels uh, they're old Armando Bacot's like 32 years old Um, hopefully Mondo's asleep. So he didn't hear me say that. Uh, RJ Davis has been playing terrific. Cormac Ryan comes in. He's older. Harrison Ingram's got some experience with him and he's been playing great. Again, Kentucky's got some couple older dudes, right? But is Trey Mitchell going to keep playing that much, Rob? Like what would you do if you're Cal? Like, who would be phased out? Because I would play Aaron Bradshaw what? more and more and more. Good and mean, to me, Draymond what, what would I do if I was Cal? And what is Cal
3: actually going to do are two entirely different questions. Hey, he'll, two he'll probably play Mitchell and
1: Bradshaw together 40 minutes. That's what he'll do. That's <laughs> yeah. what he'll do against Carolina. <laughs> I, I think like
3: uh, – they, they said that Ugana and Yeso might be available for this, so my guess is that oh, he's no. going to play the five, is going to play the four, Trey Mitchell's going to play the three, and Reed Shepard's done. Man, he's he's getting two <laughs> minutes a night with the rest of the timeout, so they can play three bigs. He's got he's got to even out the numbers at this point, man. That's all it is. He's got to figure out a way to be able to make sure that he can say, yeah, we played two bigs for
1: thirty-five minutes. No, 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 he's just going to try to keep Reed Shepard for another year. That's all he's going to try to do. Um, I, See, I like I like, I like Carolina. I like Carolina here. Uh, give him one. Uh, I Again, I just think they're the older team. But, however, I'll say this, and, again, I'm not going to try to convince Dagan not to go with me, but you never know what you're going to get with this Kentucky team. You never know.
3: Um, all right, so uh, I don't want to be on the side in this game because I feel like both of these teams are um, a, little bit, yes, a little bit unpredictable.
1: Yes, a little bit
3: unpredictable. The one thing I do know about both of these teams is that they both want to run and neither of them want to play any defense. So give me the over. Give me all of the over. Give me the over as high as it could possibly go. Give me an alt-line over. I don't care what it is. There is not a number that is big enough for me to be able to take an under here. Goodman, life is too short To bet the under, the total right now is 164.5. I am taking the over. These two teams played in a similar situation in 2017 when uh, Kentucky had Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox, and they were getting up and down the floor. And North Carolina had Justin Jackson and Theo Pinson and all those guys. It was the year they won the national title, and they were getting up and down the floor. The game was played in Vegas. Malik Monk had 47 points. Justin Jackson at 34 points. The final score of that game was 103 to 100. It's going to be a remake of that. We're going to get the triple digits. We might get hope 200.
1: So. Give me the over.
3: So. I want all – give me all of the over. I will take all of your overstock and bet it. I don't care what Dagan says right here. I'm putting the over down on the uh, on the parlay.
2: Well, look, look for you, Rob. I'm going with, I'm going with you. I like the over in this one. Uh, Jeff, your last statement there, when you said both teams are unpredictable, kind of threw me off a little bit. I don't really know how yeah. I feel. You never know who's going to show up, but one thing's for yeah. sure. They're going to shoot a lot of shots and hopefully they go in, but we're just going to roll with the, with the over, you know what I'm saying? So that's what we're going mm-hmm. with. Good job, Rob.
3: Uh, I think I'm just a better lawyer than Goodman. I think that's all this is right here. It's not that I'm a good better. We're going to go 0 for 8 on whatever my picks were. I'm just better at arguing know. my point. All right, last one we got. Alabama taking on Creighton. Creighton right now is laying 7.5. The total there, believe it or not, is higher than the total in the uh, Kentucky- It should Carolina be. Game. It's it should higher. be higher. It's higher than the total. Of the Arizona. There's Purdue one player game. in the court, one.
1: Rob. There's one. There's one player in the court who knows how to play defense. <laughs> one. One.
3: <laughs> okay. So, are you taking the over? What are do we doing here? Arizona against Purdue, or Arizona against give me a two. Creighton? I believe yeah, that game is it's in Omaha.
1: What's the over?
3: One sixty-five
1: point five. Uh, no, I'm going to take. I'm taking Creighton. I'm taking Creighton in this game as a bounce back. They were embarrassed at UNLV. They are not going to lose this game. Um, Alabama, again, they can't stop anybody. I I think Trey Alexander is going to have a big game uh, in this one. And uh, and I think Creighton wins by double figures.
3: Okay. The only thing I would say to that is that Creighton right now is quite literally – the worst team in college basketball when it comes to forcing turnovers. They force turnovers on 11% of their opponent's possessions, which is 362nd out of 362 teams in college basketball. And that is despite the fact that Creighton has played Florida A&M, North Dakota State, Texas Southern, Loyola Chicago, Oklahoma State, Nebraska, Central Michigan, right? It's not like we're talking about a murderer's row here. They have not played a team that currently ranks inside the top 25 on Ken Palm, and they've played one team that ranks inside the top 58 on Ken Palm, and they are 362nd in turnover percentage. Um, Alabama, Goodman, you might be shocked to find this out, is the, the most efficient offense in the sport. You're giving me all of these possessions for Nate Oates and Mark Sears and aaron estrada and grant nelson on all these dudes that know how to get buckets yeah i give me alabama yeah. plus seven and a half man give me give me I, I understand the bounce back back spot narrative i understand that they're that creighton is going to be at home and look i think creighton uh, we all everybody on college basketball twitter made fun of gary Parrish for saying creighton could be a national champion on national television and then <laughs> and then Creighton went out and lost to UNLV on the same. Uh, did you see that? He no, he was on the pregame no. show for Creighton UNLV. And he said Creighton could be a national champion. And CBS Sports clipped that out and posted it to all of their main, like, CBS Sports channels. Not just like the Ion College Basketball feed, but the main CBS Sports channel. And then Creighton went out and lost to UNLV. And GP's just sitting there like, God, I can't believe you guys said that to me. Um but yeah, I still think Creighton is that good. Uh, but yeah, Alabama covers here plus seven and a half. Dagan, back me up.
2: So, so good. you see what Rob did there, was he tried to throw all those numbers to really get me off that the only narrative that yeah. matters in this game, and that's the fact that oh, our Creighton is playing a game in Omaha after just losing to UNLV, and the only exactly. teams that uh, Creighton loses to are in the Mountain West, apparently. So, I'm going to go with Creighton minus seven and a half here. And I know the chat's going to hate this because I'm, I'm watching it right now, and they're all on Alabama. But give me Creighton in Omaha. It's different there. I'm going with the Blue Jays. All
3: right. Well, listen, uh, right now our parlay is if you want to tail, we have Kansas minus seven and a half at Bet MGM. We have Michigan State money line plus 140. We have Texas AM Houston under 130.5. We have Memphis minus two and a half. Florida Atlantic, minus nine and a half, the Purdue money line. Over 164 and a half in North Carolina and Kentucky and Creighton minus 7.5. And that pays off, Goodman, at plus 24,259, which I believe would be uh two two thousand four hundred twenty-five to one odds. Two hundred no, maybe it's no, maybe it's two hundred and forty-two to one odds. I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, we are betting fifty dollars on this to win twelve thousand one hundred seventy-nine dollars and 59 cents so I just hit place bet we're locked in <laughs> we're locked in how much how much,
1: how much are you giving Dagan for this when we went I mean to be um, fair
2: I made the picks so I should be getting 100% of it you guys just tried to get me. I made the picks <laughs>
3: Dagan look Dagan if this hits then then you will be taken care of you're not getting all of it, just it though. You know, so I'll give you a husband,
1: I'll give you a hundred dollars.
3: That's what going to give you. The, the bet was fifty. I'll give him fifty. Goodman. <laughs> Get
1: your buddy
3: man. Listen, this has been the field of sixty-eight after dark. This has been your Friday night episode. This has been fun. Uh, this has involved quite a few King Soos. Which, by the way, if you are uh, a big fan of IPAs, make sure you go find yourself some King Sue They didn't even pay me for this. I bought this beer myself. Uh, so for Jeff Goodman and,
1: and for us tomorrow night. Wait, wait, tomorrow night. Big, big day of action tomorrow. Make sure it's mm-hmm. it's Rob, Randolph Childress, myself. I'll be at both the, the Kansas-Indiana game, then Purdue-Arizona. Uh, so make sure. I'm going to get a huge, huge, huge day of hoops tomorrow. So uh, we'll be with you at 11 o'clock tomorrow night.
3: Yep, and I will be sitting on my couch popping champagne at about 10.30 tomorrow night because we just hit a $50 bet to turn 50 bucks into $12,000. Thank you, BetMGM.